text for the message this morning is Zechariah chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. As you're looking for that, it's near the end of the Old Testament. It's important to understand how closely connected Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah are, as we saw in Ezra. And these prophecies are very unique because they give the exact time, so we know the, the month and the date that the prophecies were given. And so Haggai gives, uh, has two prophecies at the, in chapter 1, and those are the few months before Zechariah 1. So if you look at chapter 1, if you fit Zechariah 1 verses 1 to 6 into Haggai, it would be right between the first and the second chapters when Zechariah is commissioned. So we read uh, the text, Zechariah 1 verses 1 to 6. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Iddo, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out, Thus says the Lord of hosts, return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they repented and said, as the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you've ever been to a wave pool or at an ocean beach, you can know that, that waves, they just keep on coming. And there is nothing that you can do to, to stop them. If you stand there and you try push against the wave, it doesn't matter, it, it just keeps coming. If you decide... Uh, I'm just going to ignore it, and then you turn your back on the wave. It doesn't matter. The wave just, just keeps coming. It probably will even knock you over. If you try to avoid the wave by, by swimming away from it, the wave never stops pursuing, and eventually it will overtake you. The prophecy of Zechariah emphasizes that the word of the Lord of hosts is like a wave that continues to roll forward through the years and generations of mankind. In our text today, the Lord commissions Zechariah as a prophet to call the people to stand back, to consider their place in the big picture of God's work in history. Like a wave that has begun its course, both the curses and the blessings that the Lord promised in His covenant, they will overtake you, to use the word we find in verse 6. They will impact your life in the same way that they impacted the lives of all who have gone before you. The word of the Lord is faithful. And that is why the Lord of hosts calls His people to, to submit to His plan, to find their comfort only in Him. Only His Word stands. And since the Lord always remembers His covenant promises, 
you can also be sure that if you do not turn to him in repentance, you will suffer like all your rebellious ancestors. But if you return to him and you trust and, f- and put your faith in the Lord of hosts, he will save you through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, Zechariah, which means the Lord remembers. Zechariah, the Lord remembers his covenant promise. And we will see this two parts of this, the call to return to the Lord and the promise that the Lord will return to you. So we are placed in the situation because we read Ezra together. We know what the, the context of Zechariah's prophecy is all about. And you can imagine then being there, standing, listening to the prophet Zechariah. And he says to you, return to the Lord. Now if you were there, you might wonder what the Lord wanted from you. Especially since you had done a whole lot of returning to him in the last little while. The people that Zechariah preached to had recently returned to Jerusalem all the way from Babylon in order to rebuild the temple so that they could return to worship the Lord. And as they consider it, they, could, they would think, we can think with them, it, it, it was true that their fathers had been sent into exile because they persisted in their sins, but the remnant of the church was not in exile any longer. The faithful had repented from their sins, as we see in verse 6. They had recognized the justice of God in His great wrath against their sins. God had used His servant, King Cyrus, to send a group of about 50,000 Jews and their servants back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And everyone looking in from the outside would have to conclude that it was a a major move that these Jews made. And it revealed the commitment that they had to their nation, to their church, to their God. And yet the Lord calls these very returning exiles to return to Him. Why? Why does God call active church members to return to Him? because it is possible to make a commitment to follow the Lord without actually loving the Lord. And the Lord wants more than just an external loyalty to your nation, your church, or your style of God worship. And it often happens today also that people confuse church membership or membership in a church with a sincere life of walking with the Lord in faith and trust. Confusing membership in a church with sincerely loving and embracing God as your Father. Such people remain members in their local church because all their friends and their family are there. Such people are even willing to make a a hypocritical public profession of faith if it allows them to continue to receive the social and the economic advantages of a congregation. And if you have professed your faith for any other reason 
than sincere faith in Jesus Christ, well then you yourselves know why the Lord would call people who appear to be faithful on the outside to return to Him. And right now you can hear Him call you to return to Him also. And the same can be said about those who change their behaviors without really experiencing a change of heart. Several months before Zechariah was commissioned to prophesy, Haggai had been very clear about the need for God's people to trust in the Lord with all their hearts. You can read Haggai 1. They were busy making their own homes. They, they didn't have time for the temple. And Haggai had to, to prophesy this message because many of the people who had returned to Jerusalem had stopped their work on the temple after the foundations had been laid. And no one who was now hearing Zechariah's prophecy could deny that they had become distracted from the work on their temple as they suffered from resistance from the Samaritans. They suffered from bad harvest, natural diseases, economic crises. The prophet Zechariah himself would have seen firsthand how their unfaithfulness hindered the worship of the Lord for many years. We read in Zechariah that he was the son of Berechiah, and the grandson of Ido, who was the head of a priestly family that had returned from Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And studying the dates and the wording of Zechariah chapter 1, together with Nehemiah 12, it appears that Zechariah, who had been born in Babylon, was now the head of the priestly family in the line of Ido. And when he performed his duties as a priest for his nation, Zechariah would have to do it on an altar that was standing in the open air among some temple foundations. That's true. But when Zechariah was called as a prophet in the eighth month of Darius' second year as king, Haggai chapter 1 verse 12 to 15 tells us there had just been a national conversion. The people had just repented of their laziness and, and they had returned to the work in the fear of the Lord of hosts their God. When Zechariah came to prophesy, he could have looked out from the temple mount to see people faithfully leaving their paneled homes and making their way to the temple as they began to resume their work of rebuilding the house of the Lord of hosts their God. And yet, Zechariah is told to call these returning workers to return to the Lord. Why? Well, because it is possible to become more active in your church, in, in the church. It's possible to make changes in your lifestyle without actually embracing God's grace and loving Him more than anything else in your life. Like that, that desire that was expressed in Psalm 137, stanza 2 that we sang. Just think about it. Perhaps you yourself, you, you decided to be more faithful in your church attendance. After a time of perhaps not participating in the worship services that were so easy to miss. And you said, no, I'm going to change 
that behavior. Or perhaps you decided to be more faithful in your financial giving. Or you, you made the decision to, to be kinder person to your friends and, and your family. And so you've made changes. And yet although you've made these changes, you are keenly aware that your heart was not really in it. This is true for you. Then you understand why God would tell people who were returning to work on the temple to return to Him. And right now you can hear Him calling you also, return to the Lord. The Lord illustrates that He was not just talking about how we use our time and money, but why we make changes. And the Lord does this by reminding the people why He was angry with their ancestors. Why the former generation that went into exile, why they were punished so severely. He, he reminds them by explaining why their parents, their fathers, were no more. Why they had died in the wars and in the exile. The Lord, you see, the Lord was not angry with them because they were not using the temple that they had at that time. The Lord was not angry with them because they were not offering sacrifices or that they were not playing David's songs on their harps, as you can read in Amos chapters 4 to 6. But the prophets called the people to return to the Lord because in spite of all this, they were continuing to live a life of evil ways and deeds, even while they were going through the motions of worshiping God. He called them to return to Him because their desires were impure. They ignored and oppressed the poor. They were exceedingly materialistic. They were complacent about sin in their lives. They diminished the holiness of God in their self-confidence. They did not hear the preaching that pleaded with them to return to the Lord with their hearts. They did not pay attention to the words and statutes of the Lord, like we read in Zechariah 1. Verses 4 to 5. And as a result, the ancestors of our church were overtaken by the very thing that God had promised would happen to them. And God was very angry with them. And then we see it. The Lord wants our hearts. And He wants our hearts because He wants to live in fellowship with us. Because that is what is best for us. His anger is like that of a parent who is dealing with a child who refuses to eat food that he or she needs to survive. The Lord was very angry not because the, the Lord is very angry because the people were not paying attention to his word and statutes. And the Lord calls us to return to him so that we may experience peace with him in Jesus Christ our Lord is angry when we refuse that peace, when we insist on a hypocritical life. He wants us to have peace with Jesus Christ. And what does it mean to return to the Lord? I think it becomes very clear. The people hearing Zechariah's message, they had to understand that returning to the Lord had nothing to do with personal gain or national 
pride or, or even loyalty to a particular church. But it meant being excited about being allowed to live in the promised land where God would send the Messiah who was the seed of Eve, who would, who would crush the evil one just as the Lord had promised. When the Lord called the people to return to Him, He was not calling them to, to be perfect in their lives, but He was calling them to return to the hope of salvation, to desire to eagerly bow before the Lord in worship. Also today, for us, returning to the Lord means believing and loving the gospel promise of salvation and eagerly desiring to, to bow before the Lord in worship. You see, returning to work in the temple is, is like returning to prayer, to a life of trusting in God's atoning work. It's the same call as, as the call to turn to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And the call to return to the Lord is a call to spiritual revival in your life. Placing the Lord above everything else. And this is what it means to live in a covenant relationship with the Lord. And the Lord Jesus, He Himself exemplified this complete commitment to the Lord. And He also, he also taught the church, what that means when the rich man, young man came and said, I'm obeying all the commandments. What did he say? He said, give everything you have to the poor. Show your love in actions. Jesus warned the church about an outward religiosity that only focuses on what goes into a person and not what comes out of a person's heart. That is why God gives us the word which endures and he gives it to us through the prophet's even though the prophets who spoke them are no more. He has preachers tell of the punishment of the ancestors in the church who did not hear the call to repentance, who paid no attention to the Lord, who kept on going through the motions. He has his church continue to sing the psalms, and not just the happy ones, but also the ones that speak of God's wrath against all those who rebel against him, both within and outside of his holy church. That way we will never forget to return to the Lord. That way we will always be a, a people characterized by a returning to the Lord. We will never be complacent about sins in our lives just because in our minds we are members of the, the so-called right church. We will never think that our outward activities will earn us that what we need to enter in God's presence. We will understand the depth of the wrath of God against sin, the faithfulness of the Lord to His Word, and our utter need for Jesus Christ as our Savior, as our righteousness, as our highest joy. And so we will constantly humble ourselves before our God and seek our salvation outside of ourselves. And so the Lord, through His Word, He drives us again and again to the cross of Jesus Christ. And He tells us that He returns to us. Zechariah's name means the Lord remembers. The word for remembers, zakar in the Hebrew, and the yah at the end points to the Lord. The Lord remembers. The theme of this Gospel, when the Lord of hosts promised to return 
to the faithful remnant. It is closely related to his remembrance of his covenant promises. Many times in the Bible, the Lord gives the reason for the Lord's decision to return to help his people as being that he remembered his covenant. When the Lord talks about returning, it doesn't mean that he ever forgot. It doesn't mean that he was ever absent from his people. God is always there. God does not slumber. God does not sleep. He has the entire world in his hands. The only thing that changes is whether he is looking on the world with a a face shining in anger or a face shining with favor. However, when the people had despised the Lord's grace, when they refused to seek the forgiveness of sins through, through the sacrifices and the guilt offerings, when they proudly did their own thing rather than dedicate themselves to God through the sacrifices, the Lord had closed the door to His glory. Ezekiel has, was given a vision of the glory of the Lord leaving the temple. So before the exile, before the temple was destroyed, there's a vision of the Lord's glory leaving the temple. He was closing the door to the worship. He gave them over to their sins. Amos preached that there would be a famine of the Word of God. His promise to curse the rebellious children overtook them. And yet the Gospel message in all this is that the Lord did not forget His covenant promises. He did not forget that He had said that He would also forgive the sinner for his guilt when he returned to Him in humble repentance. The words, return to Me and I will return to you, they are a simple reminder for the people that the Lord will keep the promises that are embedded right in the covenant. When we walked in today and we saw the display text from Ezekiel chapter 16, it was verses 59 to 60. It says it so beautifully. For thus says the Lord God, I will deal with you as you have done. You can see that's connected to Zechariah 1 verse 6. I will deal with you as you have done, you who have despised the oath and breaking the covenant. Yet, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish for you an everlasting covenant. The Lord says, yet I will remember. Yet I will return. Though we are unfaithful and weak, the Lord remains faithful. He always keeps the way open for His people to return to Him. Though He may have closed the door For a time, he did not lock it forever. And by dwelling in their midst in the temple, God had given the people in the Old Testament a way to have their sins paid for so that they could have peace with him again. Desiring to build the temple was the same as desiring to walk with the Lord, to receive his grace, to experience his nearness in in their midst again. And the gospel message of our text is that the Lord of hosts does return with favor and blessing to all those who want these blessings from His hand. He returns to those who want Him with Him at their side. 
from their heart to those who have returned to Him in sincerity. And today there is no temple for us to enter to show that we desire to live in peace with God. But there is Christ, the one who has fulfilled the temple, the one who is the new and the living way into the presence of God Almighty, the one before whom we, we bend the knee and we bow down and worship as we embrace Him for His grace toward us. Jesus Christ is our substitute. He bears the wrath of God against our sins, like the sacrificial animals in the Old Testament. He brings us into the shining mercy of God. When we look at the cross, we say the Lord was very angry with our sins. But the Lord has also shown us His mercy. Although the Lord, the glory of the Lord, left the first temple before the exile. The glory of the Lord returned to fill the temple again. And Haggai talks about it. He says, the glory of the second temple will be greater than that of the first. It's chapter 2, verse 7. And he was talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the glory of the second temple. God dwelling in our midst. The same Jesus Christ is now ascended into heaven. He is the eternal King. He is the mediator. And the glory of God returned to the earth once again in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Not to dwell in some building, some temple. Not to dwell in our perfect substitute, Jesus Christ. But to dwell right in the hearts of everyone who believes in the Lord of hosts as God. And today when we read Zechariah 1 verses one to six. And we read that proclamation, return to the Lord and He will return to you. And we see it with our New Testament eyes. We understand that the Lord is calling us right now to repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I just read Acts 2 Verse 38, return to the Lord and He will return to you. And that promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That promise is for you. You think about that. If, if, if you have been baptized, you need to understand how real the promises are. It's like a, like a wave. The words and the statutes of the covenant they overtake us all. There are truly curses and there are truly blessings. Your faith is real. Your life's decisions have eternal consequences. And in the same way that, that pretending to eat your food will not help you, so also pretending to trust in the Lord and believe in Jesus Christ will not bring you into peace with the Lord. As He promised in His eternal covenant, God has really sent His Son. There truly is salvation in Him. And it is very important to remember God's faithfulness to His covenant promises. Zechariah, the Lord remembers. And it's good to remember because there's a lot of anxiety 
among believers about all the conspiracies against God and His church in our day and age. We feel helpless. We feel out of control. We fall into the trap of of fearing human beings as if they can do whatever they please. And in our distress and in our despair, the Lord simply tells us, Zechariah, the Lord remembers. And He points us to the promises that were given to us in our baptism. And He tells us to look at these. And He asks, has any word or promise of God ever fallen to the ground without being fulfilled? Think of your, the promises you received in your baptism. Can you say of any of them, well, there God has failed me? No, brothers and sisters, not one of them. He established an eternal covenant of grace with us. He adopts us as His children. His justice has been satisfied by Christ and His anger has been calmed. He washes us from all our sins. He unites us to Him as subjects in an eternal kingdom. He has come to us to set us free. He comes to us with comfort. His Spirit dwells in us. His Spirit renews our lives until finally we shall be presented without blemish among the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. All who return to Him will see Him return on the clouds to be taken with Him to heavenly glory. The Lord of hosts remembers His purpose. You looked at verse 3. How many times the Lord of hosts repeated there. That's so that we don't doubt His love or or look for salvation anywhere else. The same Lord who intervenes in our lives with, with grace and mercy That same Lord that we worship, well, He's God of all the heavenly hosts. All the heavenly hosts who are praising and who are worshiping Him eternally. Who are bearing witness to His glory on the earth as messengers. And who will come with Him to judge the earth. The Lord of hosts. The covenant God who is over all the hosts, heaven and earth. He remembers His promises that He gave to you, children of the Lord. Let us trust in Him with all our heart. Joyfully receive His grace shown to us in Jesus Christ. Amen.